0: Hello. 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 And welcome to Pioneer's Post Podcast. Social enterprise stories and conversations from across the world.
1: There are lots of ways one might define a good leader, and many figures one could readily select as examples. But at Pioneer's Post, we're interested in a specific kind of leader. We're looking for those leaders who are both trying to make a difference and doing business differently. These are the leaders treading that fine line between money and mission for the benefit of people and planet. So welcome to the Good Leaders podcast with me, Tim West, founding editor of PioneersPost.com. Well, hello and welcome to the Good Leaders podcast with me, Tim West, at Pioneer's Post. And my guest today is Yoncha Brekman at Impact Shakers in Belgium. Hi, Yoncha.
0: Hey, Tim. Uh, nice to be here today.
1: How are you doing?
0: I'm OK. I'm actually in Lisbon today, so I'm okay. uh, enjoying some last-minute sunshine before I return to Belgium.
1: <laughs> Very nice. So, let's get down to it um, – Tell us about Impact Shakers. What, where and who is Impact Shakers? Just in a few sentences.
0: So we set up Impact Shakers as an ecosystem to tackle societal and environmental challenges through entrepreneurship. So we work with entrepreneurs, we work with investors, uh, we run programmes for both of them and we invest ourselves as
1: well. Okay, And who and what are you trying to shake What does does the shaking bit come in?
0: We want to shake many different systems uh, because actually we want to shake why we build businesses, how we build them and who gets to build them. So that is a whole lot of systems we're trying to change, including the financial one. The how do we finance businesses? Because financing has so much impact on all of these different aspects why we build them, how we build them, and who gets to build them, that it is definitely one of the crucial pillars in our work.
1: Okay. So, I mean, you talk about inclusive entrepreneurship on your website, which I, which I guess is related to the shaking that you're doing as well. And I, I guess by inclusive, that means the entrepreneurs that you want to support And maybe also the type or the way in which you invest in them. Is that right?
0: It is. The inclusive part refers to, one, how we want to see the world. We Mm. want to see the world as a much more inclusive place. And when we think about the entrepreneurial ecosystem, we want to make that a more inclusive space as well. So we focus our work on underrepresented founders, which is Almost uh, every type of founder that doesn't um, look like the current stereotype of founder when you would type it into Google, you type in CEO, we all know what pops up. Um, But we work with teams that are diverse in gender, ethnic background, migration background, LGBTQ, have a disability, um, have a refugee background, you name it. um, We work with them.
1: Great. So one of the reasons we've invited you actually to be a guest for our for our next podcast is that this is going to go out to everyone, I think, about two days, three days before you are running Europe's first big startup event, focusing on what you describe as inclusive entrepreneurship and impact. So just tell us about this event and what you hope that this is going to achieve.
0: So, on the one hand, it's, it's all about bringing people together. So, bringing people together that are working in these spaces. Um, so, the impact space, sustainability space, and on the other hand, uh, the diversity space, which are often very separate worlds, um, or they, they might intersect uh, somehow, but it is not necessarily the biggest goal of these spaces to do both. And we believe that the future is absolutely inclusive and sustainable. There is no other beautiful future we want to work towards. So we invited all of the people working as an ecosystem builder, working as an investor um, in the space already, but also those that aren't yet, but are willing to check out the space and build a more inclusive one and a more sustainable one. So on the one hand, it's all about collaboration. You could say collaboration is the system change. And the second big goal that I would like to share is we want direct results. After the summit, we want to make sure that a bunch of diverse founders received investment because the numbers are very depressing when we look at how much investment goes. If we just take all female teams, it is less than 1% in Europe. When we look at teams with a migration background, it is 1.3%. So we really want to help make a shift in getting these numbers to be as depressing. And what have we got in store at the event is uh, we have a pitching competition to which we received more than 400 applications of Only diverse teams, only an impact, so a niche, but not that big a niche, apparently, Um, which proves, again, that this is not a pipeline problem. But we already have three people, three investors, uh, committed to start due diligence with one of the 24 finalists in this competition. Um, Amongst them are we as well. So we commit that we will start the actual investment process with one of them but two other people did which is a very nice ecosystem signal we have three other investors a group of business angels a social innovation fund and a group of female um, angel investors that committed to fast track one of the 24 finalists we will also share a database of over between 50 and 100 of these 400 startups with all attending investors at the event because this is again the collaboration is system change we want to share the zeal flow we want to get these founders invested in we want to raise the entire ecosystem and lift everybody and join forces to make this happen more quickly
1: and yeah it sounds great so on the one hand you want to bring people from the entrepreneurship side and the investor side together now that seems quite simple um mm-hmm. but actually the number of conferences that i go to and i'm sure you go to when where the investors are just talking to themselves or the entrepreneurs are talking to themselves i mean you know they can investors can learn and should learn from each other of course they should same with entrepreneurs but um it sounds like the difference that you want to make is um you know we use this word collaboration and it can seem quite wishy-washy but actually what you're talking about is deal making really isn't it you you're talking about real deals and real money and remarkably as you say you've got this pipeline of more than 400 organisations entrepreneurs who've applied to to pitch and you say you you've got you've had to narrow those somehow you've narrowed those down to 24 Finalists, mm-hmm. so that that is a real achievement in itself, but a real sign that actually um, the opportunities for social entrepreneurs and for investors are really quite quite substantial. What what kind of money is on the table for them? Then I know I know they don't get money immediately because obviously. You have to do, as you say, the due diligence. But what is the opportunity there that they might be offered?
0: It it completely depends. The commitments, the three commitments that have been made are between 15 and 50K. So those are more for the earlier stage startups. Um, We have a couple of startups selected in the final 24 that are actually raising 2 million rounds. Or uh, one that has a 6 million rounds. And we have investors present at the event. So we have more than 40 different impact investing funds that are joining the event. And they they all invest very uh, different ticket sizes. So there there are opportunities for all stages. And uh, we will facilitate this as well at the event. But because we're not that big yet, (laughs) um, it'll be an event with uh, around 300 people probably will end, 400 maybe. Uh, It will be very high quality networking because the only people that will be there are our closer network, our closer circle. Of these ecosystem builders, investors, and key players in the entrepreneurial ecosystem in general, mm-hmm. and the, the the level of connections that can be made and the, the time you can spend with someone is uh, very high quality.
1: Great. So tell me about impact shakers in sort of financial and impact terms, and also maybe how you know putting an event like this we 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 ran. Um, one of the UK's sort of leading social investment events for a decade. And I know it, it's, a, it's very exciting, but it's a big risk. You have to put quite a lot of money on the table. Tell me about your business model at Impact Shakers, your revenue and profit, and also how an event like this sort of impacts on on the numbers and things. What, what, what's your situation at the moment? And how was it when you first started as well?
0: So so our journey has been uh, not easy, I think any company wanting to make impact, the journey to profit is a bit longer usually. And if you're not a startup, so if you're not building a tech product where you get investments in an early phase, we are a service business. So the way we can scale is also depending on the number of people we can have. So uh, we started out uh, We we tested basically every possible revenue stream over these past uh, four and a half years. We started by working one-on-one with companies. We did like a studio model where we did revenue share, fundraising fees. We had some retainer fees as well. We applied for a bunch of projects. We set up a bunch of incubators, accelerators and different partnerships over the years. And you could say, there is more to it, but at, at the highest level, you could say we are project-based. Um, our funding is project-based at the moment, but this is the year where we're making the shift.
1: And this is year four, is it? So did you start in... This is year 2018? five. It's, 2018 yes. you started, to year five, okay. And year one was, year one was what then? I'm going to just push you on the figures. So w- what happened in year one?
0: Year one was probably not much. <laughs> year one was... Uh, was the year I sold my apartment and um, i I had some uh, it was nice to explore things in a more relaxed uh, way this way this is the only reason i I became an entrepreneur as well I, I felt safe enough with this safety net uh, to make the jump
1: so that's your own money essentially you had you you put yes. your own money down on starting the business right yeah
0: Absolutely. Um, And then we did this revenue share, which brought in some money, we did the fundraising fees, and all of it brought in bits and pieces, but none of it's enough to call it a a business, I would say. It was more a project at that point.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So now go five years later, and you're now in your current situation. What what does it look like?
0: It it looks like we're organising a summit, which is a very risky project, like you just mentioned. Um, Yeah. That will not be profitable, for sure. It's a first-time event. So, yeah, yeah you take the risk. Uh, maybe it will work out and, and uh, some direct revenue will come from it. But chances are very low, especially this, this year. In Europe, the, the big budgets for sponsoring aren't there at the moment. But it will lead, We, we we're confident it will lead to other beautiful opportunities, afterwards yeah. uh, but that's not what we build our business model on it will be the fund it will be the right. fund we're raising we are shifting to one of the, the business models that have been proven in the entrepreneurial space in the entrepreneurial sports space mm-hmm. which is you use an accelerator as a front end but you basically are a venture fund on the back end
1: And have you experience in that from your previous career moves or is this something that's new to you? You have a number of collaborators and co-founders as well, don't you?
0: Yeah. So um, running a fund, a venture fund will be new, but last Mm -hmm. year we set up a first investment vehicle, which we call our micro funds, which writes out family and friend size tickets So this one, we've been running for a year now, but the fund experience comes with uh, my fund partner, Alina Klarner, who has a background in private equity, uh, where she was an operations manager. And it is amazing to find a person that is so complimentary, because I love the idea of more ecosystem builders like myself moving into the investment space. But Mm. you definitely need to find someone who complements your skills and your background to um, make it work and build a credible proposal for uh, mm. investors in the fund as well.
1: Okay. Well, tell, tell us a bit more about you then. So, your background. Who is who is Yonca? Where are you from? Um, what was your upbringing like? Where, where did you grow up? What was your education?
0: So, I, I'm Belgian, um, mm. but my father is Turkish. So my father came to Belgium in the 70s as a laborer, immigrant, but I ended up being raised by my mom, so by a single mom who is Belgian, uh, so it wasn't always easy. By the time I uh, got through uh, my teenage years, uh, which were pretty turbulent, but um, got some experience uh, (laughs) getting myself into and out of trouble, and I uh, went to university. But I got to work full-time in a very Belgian place, which is a fry shop, which you would refer to as a chip shop, I think.
1: Yeah.
0: I studied history, but by the end of my studies, I was like, I need a job. I need to get <laughs> to work and get out of here. And uh, it was the year 2007, and all of the banks were hiring. Uh, so with my history diploma, I ended up working in a bank. And I ended up uh, helping small and medium enterprises with credit. So now that makes sense. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Back then, um, it didn't as much. But in 2008, 2009, I, I realized probably in an accelerated way that I didn't want to work for a bank. So I quit. I went to work for the government in Belgium. So I became a civil servant.
1: Right.
0: And there... I got to design training programs and organizational development, personal development, um, leadership and management programs. So uh, I ended up in doing a combination of those two in the startup ecosystem. Completely by chance, someone offered me a job in a meeting somewhere, quit my job two days later, and that's about 10 years ago. I ended up helping to build the Belgian startup ecosystem which was incredibly exciting for me to be able to make decisions and implement those decisions, execute them. It felt so freeing to do that. And yeah, from there, the startup journey started. And
1: and, and what shifted you or flipped you into being a social entrepreneur yourself then? So you, you I mean, sounds like you had a great grounding, you know, with, whether or not you wanted a job in a bank, that gave you some, you know, really interesting experience of as you say sort of learning about credit and then you know working for the government that's pretty useful as well gives you some credibility and uh, and then working in the sort of startup world so you understand that so that's a pretty good um biography and set of skills and experiences that you've learned what what made you decide that you wanted to have a go at being a social entrepreneur yourself then
0: I, I actually I left the startup world uh, in two thousand seventeen. I mm. uh, I set up a startup hub in Ghent, which is my hometown. I ran the first batch of acceler uh, of the accelerator there, and um, I decided I I wanted to do something else. This is when uh, I sold the apartment, yeah. and I went to uh, the New York Film Academy uh, to study uh, virtual reality filmmaking. Um okay. <laughs> So that's uh, a big escape. That was a big escape. Um, it was marvelous. And uh, I made a, a little zombie movie in uh, virtual reality. And after the program, I ended up building my first company, uh, which was a production company with one of my teachers. And right. we focused on uh, bringing underrepresented narratives. So okay. true to my nature, uh, it was already on inclusion. um it was about lifting others, but in a different setting than mm-hmm. entrepreneurial support. We we worked together for a number of months, but then I realized this was not the right partnership for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I decided to move to Silicon Valley, which was where I wanted to go in the first place, but I got rerouted to the film academy, um, which was too attractive. And... Mm-hmm. Um, in New York, I made a friend. His name is uh, Glenn Cantav. And he inspired me to work on this social entrepreneurship, which at that point I called activist entrepreneurship. And yeah. because he was an activist, he was an activist in Black Lives Matter. He had ran a marathon in chains. He was using technology to amplify his activism and trying to build a business out of that
1: Hmm.
0: and i thought this these are the people i want to help this this is it i want to use startup entrepreneurship as a method to help people with a mission on a mission to realize it quicker at a larger scale and make a profit. So the, the impact and profit part um, was was the first step in what we called activist entrepreneurs at first. What, what happened then was everybody kept on asking me to define what an activist entrepreneur is. And at some point, I got so tired of it, I just said, from now on, we're impact shakers. And right. since then, not one person has asked me what an impact shaker is.
1: <laughs> How interesting. Mm-hmm. Gosh. Yeah, uh, cuz people are always asking one to define a social entrepreneur, aren't they? But um yeah, you maybe you've hit on it, impact shakers obviously kind of keeps the uh keeps those definition people away. That's good. So, um let let's ask some questions then about your challenges and your successes as a social business leader. And I I wanted to ask first of all in this journey that you've had, wh- what's the the greatest challenge that you've had to face? And how did you deal with it?
0: Well, it's it's hard for me to to look at the past in this way, and mm. um, to look at the past um, in a way where it's mistakes and failures, because it it doesn't work like that in my brain. Um, mm-hmm. It is basically problems appear, and then these problems need a solution. And yes, things don't always go well. Absolutely, um, but. Um, somehow, I I cannot frame it that way um, moving forward, and I think um, words matter and and how you think about yourself um, mm-hmm. in the past and in the future, uh, and to me, so when things arise that don't work, it's just finding a solution or a way it can work. And focusing on that, and learning, yep. learning from it, and I, I absolutely can can see the, the way we've moved forward in testing all of these different revenue streams. Um, someone someone could look at it and say this has been one big failure. <laughs> um, but in in my um, maybe maybe I have an American brain. Uh, it's it's just been a learning journey.
1: And and has there I mean ha, have there been any particular times then that were the most difficult or times when you've you felt really under pressure or something and you've you've had to work out how to get through that?
0: It's it's always people. Um like when I said mm. the partnership didn't work out. Um it's always yeah. the personal relationships I think that are the hardest.
1: And so it's really important that you've found people in your team who, as you say, balance you. Absolutely. And have you, have you received any kind of coaching or mentoring in setting up your, your team and in setting up the organisation? Has that been something that you've been able to call upon?
0: Um, not formally um, until about last year when mm. I, uh, I've, I've always had mentors or people I, I've seen as my mentors. Um, but the first formal relationship came uh, through a programme I I was selected to join a a program called Belgium's 40 Under 40, which is a program for social change makers set up in Belgium. Mm -hmm. And a part of the program is uh, getting matched with a mentor. And it's been incredibly valuable. I've I've been matched um, with someone uh, very experienced in setting up investment funds. Yeah. Uh, so he's been advising and helping us set up the funds for the past year, and um, in in a relationship that is not that of a, of an external advisor, but really in a mentorship relationship, which I've been enjoying right. very much.
1: So he's there to um, to be sort of challenging, but um, not. In a way that um, is a is a relationship where you have to please him in any ways, but it's basically he's there to sort of challenge yes. and champion, and to hear you out with you know very real issues that you're dealing with, all of that kind of stuff,
0: and be vulnerable with, which is yeah uh, yeah one one of the the most important aspects of a leader, I guess, um, being able to be vulnerable.
1: And so, what's um. What's been your proudest achievement so far, then, with Impact Shakers?
0: It it would be the setting up the micro fund. Um, mm-hmm. It's been in it's been in the back of my mind for years, and we started looking into the legal aspects of it a couple of years ago, and yeah. finally figured out how to do it because we wanted to do two things: write a family and franchise um, tickets, but also help more people learn about impact investing and get into impact investing because yeah. if we want to build a more inclusive space, we definitely need more diverse investors in there as well. Yeah. And we set up the structure last year in April. So it's been a full year now. And we have 80 members. We've made five investments. Uh, out of these 80 members, they're between 22 and 82 Um there is a lot of them that are brand new to investing. and um, We're going to make our sixth investment in one of the finalists at the summit.
1: Oh, very good. And how big is the fund at the moment? How much has it got in there?
0: Oh, well, about 150k.
1: Okay. And the size of the investments that you've made so far then has been what sort of level?
0: Oh, well, we've made five of 25k now.
1: Okay. So if that's your proudest achievement, I- I'm interested in what qualities? so this is called the good leaders podcast and I'm interested in what qualities um, that you think make for being a good leader so what do you think a good leadership is all about what have you discovered in your role as a leader
0: for for me it's all about um, being kind and caring it is about taking care of the people that work with you because it is such an important part of their lives, of your life. So if you, I, I cannot imagine not finding that incredibly important. Um, you say in your manifesto,
1: it, above all kindness, don't you? In your yes manifesto, yes. so that's 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 important to you. Yeah, that's about the kind of business you want to shape.
0: It it is so underestimated um, mm. uh, to be kind to people. Um, especially in this polarized world, um, lead with kindness in in any situation. But if you work with a limited number of people, it is, how can you not? And um, I don't know if if we will grow to 50 people at some point, um, if we, Um, I'm, I'm not even sure that we want to be that big. If if you can maintain the same level of care and kindness, but I would absolutely want to strive for it.
1: Yeah. How many people are you at the moment?
0: Um, we're six at the moment.
1: Okay. And what other what qualities would you mix kindness with then to be a good leader?
0: Well, one of the other things in our manifesto is not taking yourself too seriously. Yeah. Um which is another thing I think people underestimate. I think it's responsible for a lot of evil in the world, thinking that you're important. Um, so I don't, I don't really think I'm that important. Um, but that would take us into a whole existential discussion. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it's about um, continuously figuring out what you need and what the others need. Okay. Um it's linked with my vision on, on work and life, uh, which mm. is work-life integration for me. But it is a continuous search for figuring out how much of this is work, how much of this is life. Is there a balance in there or not? Mm. Um do i want to have a balance which tasks do i want to do and helping the others figure that out for them as well and if it's so hard for yourself already it's it's definitely hard to understand it from another person um sure. but i think that is one of the keys to uh, remaining in the same team because if you don't put a lot of attention on figuring this out and and keeping it top of mind, almost constantly, um, then then people change and people need to change environments as well.
1: Yeah, and what would your team say are your best and worst qualities as a, as a boss?
0: I, I I would think the caring. I, it's it's usually the same thing, right? Um, your your best quality when you uh, take it to the extreme becomes your uh, worst one. Um, so so um, I care a lot, um, which might lead to uh, me taking on too much and not sh- always sharing it. Um, I I think I uh, I might rush us into projects sometimes, thinking I'll take care of it. Um, yeah, welcome to the club. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And uh, just off the back of that, have have you ever experienced any kind of leadership burnout? Even if you haven't burnt out, how how do you deal with the pressure?
0: Well, I, I'm very good under pressure. It never felt like an option to me to not lead. And I think I've I've been like this as a child. I I'm good in crisis situations. Um, I. I perform well under deadlines and under pressure and like i said when when big challenges arise, I go into some type of problem solving mode and move on
1: and what happens when you get to kind of step out of the business and go and do things for yourself what 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 is what does your own personal time look like what do, what do you 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 know you went to you studied filmmaking do you go and watch the movies do you go and eat out do you do all those things do you go for walks do you have a family what what does that all look like
0: i vaguely remember these things you mentioned oh ah,
1: yes
0: <laughs> no, no. <laughs> i am um, uh, i do all of those um, but i do not have a family so i am very flexible in where i am and where i spend my time and yeah. with whom um, but i love fiction which is why i went to study filmmaking uh, at first so uh, when I have more time, uh, I read. I read science fiction. I love uh, world building and thinking about how other uh, forms of society and systems could look like. So, am I working? Aren't I working? <laughs> um, I love watching films, TV, and eating out going to wine bars because I spend a lot of time in beautiful Lisbon. There is so much So what are you life. doing
1: in Lisbon then? What's what, what's happening in Lisbon? Is Do you live there part of the time?
0: Yes. Yes, most of my time, except for this past year. After San Francisco came London, but I moved to London in February 2020. Best time to move to a new place. So after two weeks, <laughs> London closed, and uh, yeah. <laughs> I decided to... Uh, look for a different place and I ended up in Lisbon.
1: Need to give London another go maybe. Yeah I I wouldn't mind. (laughs) (laughs) Okay so final question which is what's the next big exciting development on the horizon for you and your social business now and you know so in the next year or so but then looking five years ahead as well?
0: So it is raising the first venture fund. So we're raising a fund of 20 million now, and uh, it will function in an accelerator model. So we will work in batches. People will be able to apply in these um, different cohorts will run. And this is a fund that will run 10 years, but in Mm -hmm. five years we should be raising the next one and uh, growing, scaling our impact and getting closer to changing why we build businesses, how we do that and who gets to build them.
1: Brilliant. So um, in addition to the longer questions, we've got a series of quick fire questions where essentially I ask you to choose between one thing and another, sometimes quite awkward choices. Um, so I'm going to fire those at you now. Profit or purpose? Purpose. Business <laughs> or charity? Business. Equity or debt? Equity. Startup or growth? Growth. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Water or wine? Depends. <laughs> Water. <laughs> Breakfast or lunch? Lunch. Chocolate or cheese?
0: No, no, (laughs) I cannot make this choice.
1: (laughs) Go on, choose. (sighs) Chocolate. Corporate or cooperative?
0: Cooperative.
1: Entrepreneur or investor? (laughs) Uh, Investor. Inclusivity or sustainability?
0: Inclusivity.
1: Zebras or rabbit holes? Rabbit holes. Right, you better just explain that quickly, cause, uh, so our, our listeners <laughs> understand why on earth I've asked you about that.
0: Yeah, so, so both of them are in the manifesto. Uh, we say yeah. we build uh, zebras, not uh, unicorns, um, mm-hmm. but going down rabbit holes means we'll discover more animals even.
1: Okay, brilliant. Good choice. Newspaper or tablet?
0: Uh, newspaper.
1: <laughs> Novel or Netflix?
0: Mm. You're asking me really existential choices here. Sorry.
1: Um, So, a novel. Art or science? Science. A stroll through New York or a walk on the beach? New York. team day out or a one-to-one? One-to-one. Michelle Obama or Queen Mathilde of Belgium?
0: (laughs) Michelle Obama.
1: (laughs) Okay. Bravery or commitment? Bravery. Boldness or kindness? Kindness. Humility or ambition? Ambition. Evolution or revolution?
0: Revolution.
1: Jon Brechtman from Impact Shakers, thank you very much indeed for joining the Good Leaders podcast. Thank you, Tim. That was fun. Thank you. You've been listening to Good Leaders with me, Tim West, founding editor of Pioneers Post. If you like what you hear or have comments, questions or suggestions for guests, then please get in touch via Twitter at Pioneers Post or email goodleaders at pioneerspost.com.